Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on The Basic Podcast, where you can hear all of our latest messages, interviews, and more. Basic is a college and young adult ministry focused on uniting people to join in Jesus' work. To keep up with what's happening in our community, take a moment to follow us at Basic Worship or explore our website, basicworship.org. We hope you enjoy this episode of our podcast and that it helps you take a next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. You guys didn't sound very excited that I was coming to teach when Q said my name, so... Good, well, I was going to say, sometimes it's good to have low expectations, and then it's a little bit easier to, to meet or exceed those. So, like you said, my name is Carter Moore. I'm on staff uh, here at Orchard Hill Church and the basic staff team in our partnership with Nazareth Lutheran Church, and it's great to be with you. Um, it's always an honor to, to stand up here and, and share what I've been learning from God's Word, what God has been teaching me, so hopefully you can take something away with you tonight. Um, I believe you will. So uh, for the next four weeks, like you said, we're starting a new series. And these are our final four weeks together. Can you believe that? The year's almost over. Uh, We're going to be looking at the ridiculous life and faith of Elisha, one of the Old Testament prophets. Prophets were the spokespeople for God. And Elisha has a ridiculous story of faith recorded in 1st and 2nd Kings. And that's where we're going to be spending um, our time over the next four weeks reading and learning. So if you did bring a Bible, like you uh, said, we are going to engage in Scripture. You can open that Bible now to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. If you've got an app, it's also going to be on the screen. And again, just to reiterate what Q said, we deeply believe that engaging with Scripture is is a fundamental way for you to grow in your faith. And we want you to do that. Um, if, you're, if you're new to that, uh, don't let that be daunting. We'd love to help you get connected in a small group to do that. And, and like Q said, there's Bibles right outside the door. If you don't have one, snag one on your way out, take it home. It's a gift from us to you. And then bring it back uh, next week with you. So, in this series, <clears throat> we believe that God builds ridiculous faith in us, and ridiculous in a good way. And so over these next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the life of Elisha, and four very unique stories in First and Second Kings to teach us about commitment, faith, provision, and recovery. So tonight I'm going to be talking about ridiculous commitment shown through Elisha. Next week, Julie Cameron will be here to teach about ridiculous faith. Uh, week three, it's going to be Andy Walzer teaching about ridiculous provision. And the fourth and final week of the year, Jeff Mickey will be here to close out the, the series talking about ridiculous recovery. Okay, let's jump in. Uh, Elisha lived during 9th century BC, in other words, a really long time ago. Uh, at the time, Israel was a very divided nation, full of idolatry, injustice, and rebellion. And the kings of Israel are some of the main perpetrators. Uh, they continue to stray from the covenant that God has established for them and for Israel. They've even strayed so far that they are worshiping other gods. Now, for every king, God has also raised up a prophet to counterbalance them. The prophets were ordinary, everyday people, just like you and me. And these prophets had ridiculous responsibility. They counsel kings, perform miracles, speak on behalf of God. They keep the covenant, God's commands and promises. They call out idolatry and injustice. They challenged the kings to repent and follow God. 
And so where we pick up in the story, Elijah, the prophet that comes before Elisha, is at a place where he is ready to hand off the mantle of his prophetic leadership. So let's read together. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people. And they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Okay, weird story, right? No? It's normal. All right, there's two principles of ridiculous commitment that I want to highlight through the teaching tonight. And this might be something good for you to, to write down or take a picture of. First is this. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. Let me say that again. You don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And the second principle that we're going to talk about tonight is this. Those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. Those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. So let's look at this first principle of ridiculous commitment. Now there's a lot to unpack here in just these three verses. First, the pressing question that I have is, why would Elisha leave this seemingly comfortable and safe way of life to be Elijah's disciple, his attendant? Why would he drop everything to do this? I believe it is because Elijah was so committed to God and his covenant. Elisha grew up in the Jewish faith. He knew the Torah, the teachings and commandments. He had to have heard about and known of Elijah. And it was custom then, it was normal to be apprenticed by someone older, someone you want to be like. He knew about the history of Israel, his nation. He knew that he was a part of the family of God, God's chosen people. He was connected to God through worship and prayer. And I believe God had been preparing him and his family his whole life for this invitation. This wasn't a coin flip decision, but it was still a ridiculous commitment. For Elisha to leave everything he knew to apprentice to be apprenticed by and to follow Elijah was a really big deal. But Elisha didn't have to fully understand fully to obey immediately. He didn't know all that was in store by saying yes to this invitation, but he knew enough. He was so connected to God his whole life that it appears to us, reading this today, like it was an easy decision for him. When my wife told me we were getting a dog right at the beginning of quarantine last March, I didn't have to understand fully to obey immediately. I mean, look at this picture. 
hard to say no to her, right? We committed to the idea of adding another member to our family. And that made it easier to say yes to cleaning up all the pee and poop and all the other stuff that happens with a puppy. Having kids was a great commitment and a great example of not having to understand fully to obey immediately. When my wife said, let's make a baby, I obeyed immediately. (laughs) You like that? But (laughs) I'll I'll talk to you later, Q, about that. And anyone else that wants to talk. Uh, But in all seriousness, it was a big commitment to think about bringing another life into the world and being fully responsible for it. Four kids in and I wouldn't change anything. And it doesn't mean it's been easy, or is easy, but it's been so, so good. Marriage was a ridiculous commitment. And no one understands all the things you're saying yes to when you say, I do. Do you want to stay up until midnight and watch Netflix? I do. Do you want to get a sitter and go on a date? I do. Do you want to learn what a decorative pillow is used for? I do. Do you do, do you, it's, it's, a, it's a decoration. Like, it's an oxymoron. A decorative pillow, it just sits on the bed. It's not a pillow, it's a decoration. Do, do you want to make some raised garden beds for me? I do. Do you want to cut down a tree and build a bed for our son from scratch? I do. Do you want to fight about stupid stuff? I do. Do you want to make up? I do. Do you want to sit at my bedside while I recover from surgery? I do. Do you want me to help you bury your dad? I do. See, I do is a ridiculous commitment that I made to my wife and to God. And it's been incredible. And I had no idea what was in store 16 years ago. I didn't have to understand fully to obey immediately. And then in 2011, I made a commitment that I thought I would never, ever make. Uh, My dad had just died after a very short battle with brain cancer. And he was incredible. He gave me the love I have today for fishing and the outdoors. He was a cop. He was in the Navy. He did ragbri multiple times. And he was a marathon runner. And I can never understand the running deal. Like, especially for 26 miles in a row. <laughs> that, nothing about that sounded fun. However, when he died, I made a ridiculous commitment. I said I would run a full marathon to honor my dad's life. Now, I had never run further than three miles on purpose. So this was a big <laughs> deal. But I didn't have to understand fully to commit immediately. I just knew it was something I had to do. If I had understood fully, truthfully, I might have said no. Four months of training was an absolute grind. And the race itself had its own ups and downs, highs and lows, literally and figuratively. But crossing that finish line was such a rewarding moment for me. To know that I had followed through on that commitment meant so much to me. So those are just a few examples of, of commitment in my life. And speaking of running, uh, I want to look back again at this story. In verse 20, 
and I want you to see this little, little nugget here. I think it could be a powerful verse for you all as you make decisions in your own life. So it says this. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He ran after Elijah. Did you catch that? He wasn't running away from something. He was running towards something. Elisha was running towards something. When was the last time that you ran towards something like that? When you're trying to make a decision in life, never run away from something, always run towards something. Unless it's a bear, totally run from that. (laughs) But think about this idea in your own life. Are you running from things right now in your life? From sin, shame, guilt? Are you running from your past, your parents, other relationships, anger towards God, lies you hear in your head? Or are you running towards Jesus Christ, his truth, his yoke, his peace, his love, his grace? See, as Christ followers, we need to have a marathon mindset when it comes to commitment. Have the end in mind. Have, have an Easter mindset, the glorious reunion with the resurrected Jesus. But when it comes to our daily walk or marathon of life, just put one foot in front of the other. Don't get too caught up in details or decision-making or worry about unknown or uncontrollable circumstances, just put one foot in front of the other and run towards Jesus, not away from things. And if you can't run, jog. If you can't jog, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. If you can't crawl, just open your mouth and say, Jesus, I need you. Now, if... If God does happen to tell you to sell everything and move to Brazil and serve as a missionary, by all means, do it. Listen to God. But most of us won't hear something that plainly from God. So don't fret. Don't panic. Don't wring your hands if you don't hear something specific from God about the call for your life. Don't become so afraid of making the wrong decision that you don't do anything at all. Spoiler alert. You can't screw up God's plan. The devil, the greatest deceiver, liar, trickster of all, tried, and it didn't work. Jesus won. But God's spoken promises are shared with us, and they're a lot easier to hear, and they're recorded right here in the Bible. Follow Jesus. Love him. Love others. Worship Jesus. Spend time in community like this. Eat together. Pray, read scripture with others, serve one another humbly, share how Jesus is working in your life and in the lives of others, be a blessing, and repeat. The most important and ridiculous commitment I made in my own life was fully committing my life to Jesus. 18 years ago, I committed all that I knew of myself to all that I knew of Jesus. I had a personal and powerful encounter with him 
And I didn't have to understand Jesus fully to obey him immediately. If I understood fully, I would have said yes a long time ago. I didn't have to know all of the answers. I didn't need proof of all the stories in the Bible. I didn't have to have a whole bunch of scripture memorized. I had met Jesus in a personal and profound way and it changed my life. I didn't have to understand Jesus fully to obey him immediately. Now let's dig in a little bit to the second principle of ridiculous commitment. Those who God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. So let's look a little more closely at verse 21. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. He set out to become his attendant. Really? Elisha had land. He had oxen. He had servants. He had a family and an inheritance. By all standards, he was wealthy and living the good life. But because he knew all that he had was God's anyways, he wasn't attached to things like some of us are. He left all this to be the personal attendant of a prophet who earlier in this chapter, if you want to go back and read it, prayed this prayer. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Elisha gave up all of the security and stuff to follow a self-defeated, washed-up old prophet. Really? Yes. 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 (laughs) And check this out. God blesses our yeses. That's pretty good, isn't it? God blesses our yeses. Elisha said yes to God, and over time, God used Elisha in powerful ways. In fact, he used Elisha to perform more miracles than anyone else in the Bible, except for Jesus himself. Those who God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. Now my next burning question here, pun intended, why did Elisha have to kill those poor oxen and burn his equipment? You could read the story and think, wow, I would have to leave my sweet mom and dad, my awesome job working in the land, my wealth, inheritance, and now I have to kill my oxen and burn my equipment too? Are you sure? Seems a little ridiculous, right? Context and perspective are everything when reading scripture. See, this wasn't reckless abandon and mistreatment of animals. PETA didn't even exist at this time. This was a celebration. This was a party. He prepared the meat. Better than Arby's, probably. He fired up the grill. They feasted. They celebrated this occasion. Almost like a high school or college grad party. Hey, come to my grad party. It's four to six this Sunday. We're going to have scratch cupcakes, cold stone, and oxen. <laughs> Any, anybody had oxtail? F- few of us. Nobody. It's not bad. See, this was a celebration. When people choose to follow Jesus, we should be throwing parties. We should be having celebrations. And that's what this was, a celebration of Elisha following God's call for his life. 
Elisha valued what he had in his life. He went home to talk with his parents and kiss them goodbye before he left. He had a huge barbecue with his people. Elisha didn't worship things of the earth. He didn't have a death grip on material things. He worshiped God. So it isn't so surprising now to understand why God was able to use Elisha in such a powerful way. Those who God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. So what does this story of Elisha and his ridiculous commitment have to do with you? What does it mean for a college student, a young adult, to have ridiculous commitment? Commitment might seem like a scary thing for a lot of you. And I get that. Choosing a major. Choosing a career. Choosing relationships. Heck, choosing a place to live. And I know a lot of you, I know some of you have a hard time even with small commitments. Like waking up at the actual time you set your alarm for. (laughs) Getting to class on time. Or at all. Following through with the plans you made. Picking a restaurant to eat at. Picking something to eat when you get to the restaurant. (laughs) Whether or not to buy that pet turtle that you want. Any fans of The Office here? Yeah. Yeah. It's like Ryan said. No, I don't like committing to not doing things either. That's just as big of a commitment. (laughs) Right? (laughs) You can relate. Ridiculous commitment for you might not look like it did for Elisha. I doubt anyone's going to go home and slaughter the animals and burn the cupboards and have a barbecue. It doesn't mean everyone has to be a missionary, leave their family, and live in another country and sell everything they own. What it does mean is that we have the same kind of invitation today that Elisha had in 9th century B.C. Like Elijah did for Elisha, Jesus invites us to come and follow him. He invites us into a personal relationship with him. He invites us to learn from him and let him teach us and guide us. He invites us to commit our lives to him because he committed his life to us to the point of death on the cross. In Matthew's gospel account, Jesus says these powerful and peaceful words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In this story that we read, Elisha set down the yoke of his oxen to follow God's invitation for his life. In our story, Jesus is inviting us to take up his yoke 
to follow him. Jesus is, in, is inviting us to take the next step and to put one foot in front of the other in our faith. Jesus is inviting us to walk alongside him and join him in the work that he is doing to bless our broken world. Our most important commitment in life is to wake up every day and choose to follow Jesus. May you say yes to this invitation and trust Jesus to guide everything else in your life. Say yes to Jesus. Invite others to join in. Throw some parties. Bless our broken world. Repeat. Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come up, and then we're going to have a little mini party up here. And while they're getting up here and kind of getting in place, I want to give you a few reflection questions. I want you to take a few minutes. Um, I'm going to save them. Sorry about that. I'm going to say them, and they'll be on the screen. And just take a few moments to reflect.